people think he's got time to watch each and everything we do. Like he really cares what we say or, or whether or not we're really following his rules. I mean, it's such bullshit. He's not marking down every impure thought or, or bad word. He doesn't care if you look at your neighbor's wife or, or drink on Sunday or masturbate. Yeah, he's a little busy waging war on a cosmic level with the devil and the forces of evil. He just wants us to be good and be good to each other. So really, masturbate all you want. Robert Kirkman and Paul Azacita, Outcast, Volume 1, A Darkness Surrounds Him. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast, Poltergeist. No, is that what is that what you get inside of you? Demo- no, my my podcast possessed demon child is the one, the only. The power of Christ compels you, Travis. Right here, a, I need a young priest and an old Travis. Uh, Josh, shouldn't yeah. it be the power of Christ repels you? I feel like that would be a more yeah. appropriate term during Maybe. exorcism like the power of christ compels you that sounds like christ is like trying to seduce you or like there's like a Har- harvey weinstein going on isn't there like a, isn't there a you says like get away from me why well, would yeah. christ repel you i think christ is a very like oh come to me you accept yeah, you into his you. loving arms yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. not gonna repel you he's a hugger christ is a hugger you yeah, gotta watch out for the blood stains though he gets got the, the stigmata Ooh, stains on gross. your shirt i took that in a different direction for a second all right. <laughs> so, Travis, we have a guest on the show today. It's a rare occasion. This is the Comic Exposure Podcast. You're tuning in. Travis and I dive deep into comic books, and we look at some uh, graphic novels. We look at trades. Sometimes we just shoot the shit about things in comic book nerddom. But today, you're on a comic book club episode, folks, and we have a guest. Travis, who's our guest today? A couple weeks ago, we had Lance from Couch Crunchers on, and I believe I dubbed them our sister podcast. Today, we have a guest from a podcast that I'm going to dub the Uncle Who Touched Us When We Were Younger podcast, (laughs) Uh, the Absolute Geek podcast, and we have Matt from the Absolute Geek podcast. Cue applause uh, sound effects. Yay! I'll edit those in later. (laughs) Hey, Matt. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, if they're this, I, I would prefer like the daddy <laughs> podcast versus like the uncle that touches you podcast, but killer intro. So if the power of Christ compels you, I guess for me, it's the, uh, the power of darkness surrounds me, huh? There you go. Here's, there the, you thing go. About, here's the thing about that uncle. They always like have a 20 to give you. Like, you know, that's the uncle who always comes that's in. A, that's the hush money. That's that hush money. <laughs> That's well, Matt, That's <laughs> today Welcome we're talking to Batman's hush yeah. on the podcast. Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know what? Just an aside. It's a t- that's a terrible comic. It's you not good. It doesn't have a lot of you like. You're not a big Jim Lee fan. I'm not no, one Jim Lee. Two too many fucking villains. I can't. <laughs> too many villains on that one. Anyways, 
on today's podcast, uh, we were we were on the Absolute Geek podcast. I don't remember much of it, but I heard it went really well. Uh, so on the, we were on, and I threw a gaunt- I threw a gauntlet down and asked uh, two of the fine gentlemen on that show to come on our show and to both do a book with us. And they had to they had to pick a book. What was their favorite book? Right. And so uh, we asked Matt to come on the show because he said one of his one of his favorite favorite books was Outcast. Uh, the Robert Kirkman joint, right? With Paul, yeah. how do you say Paul's last name? As a seta? As a seta. Comic book. I'm not, the, I'm the not hardest... privileged enough to be a teacher like you two, so I'm going to go with <laughs> however you pronounce it. So, you <laughs> know, be my as guess. a seta, as a seta, whatever. Yeah. You know. yeah. as a can, seta. We, can we all agree the hardest part of comic book podcasts is these artists' last names? Oh, man, point, it's tough. To the point that I would give them more credit if they had more pronounceable names. I find myself shying away from saying artists' names because I look like a, uh, sound like a fool. A fool. Yes. Yeah, so, so Robert Kirkman, creator, writer, Paul Azaceta is the artist on it. And one of my favorite colorists, Elizabeth Brightweiser, is, is coloring this bad boy. Uh, and we're going to dive into this book today. It got turned into a Showtime show a couple years ago. And I said, Travis, we should do this when that Showtime show came out. But he was like, screw Robert Kirkman. I hate yeah. him and all yeah. of his Walking Dead. So we didn't do it. And so yeah. but here we are. Here we are now. <laughs> Talking the Kirkman, but you know what we get, Josh, because we haven't done yeah. this in a while. We haven't done yeah. it in so long that you've completely forgotten I, about it. I did. Yes. I almost did. So we have, we have a new uh, guest on the podcast uh, who's yeah. not been here before, and we used to do this all the time. Our old format was every week we'd have someone who hasn't read a comic or hasn't read a comic in a while come in, and we'd ask them this question, Matt. And then Very someone moved question. to Japan. Someone moved to Japan and ruined the format of the podcast. I don't, know who, I'm, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm, I'm just going to put it down right attention. now. Here, anyway. Josh, sidebar. Yeah. We got a guest yeah. on today. Okay. okay. Yeah. We need to work together. You, did you, do you okay? mute this? You're no one can hear this, right? You're being no one very can hear contentious. This? We muted right. this? No one can hear this. We, we put it on pause. Uh, okay. I need you to work with me, buddy. Okay. Also, by the way, happy I'm just, birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, bro. Oh, thank tomorrow. Thank yeah. you. Well, I guess when yeah, this tomorrow. podcast airs, it'll be my birthday. Thank you. It's my birthday. It's your birthday for me. It's my birthday for you right now. One second. One second. I think Matt heard us this whole time. Oh, shit. What? Yeah, I thought you said you muted sorry. it. Yeah. I, I, so speaking of birthdays, I want you gentlemen to look at this amazing shirt I'm wearing. Uh, and how niche is this t-shirt? Hold on. I got to click on your little head. There yeah, you click are, on my head. <laughs> Make it all nice and big. How niche. That is pretty, that's is this, pretty dope. Is this that's t-shirt. Now, Skabula. It's, it's so dumb. I, I, uh, Skabula. Uh, I, is it a band or is it just like we're looking at the genre of ska and saying like Skabulia? Skibula. I think I think we're I think it's uh Sebulba, Sebulba from Star Wars. Oh, I from see, I epi- see, I get it. I'm from episode slow. from episode one, Star Wars episode one, a terrible film, but it's Skabulba. Skabulba also sounds like a comic book artist's name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Frank Skabolia? Frank Skabolia. So I showed it to Gabby. Sounds like a disease. It does. So I showed it to Gabby and I said, hey, my birthday's coming up. And so she ordered it and she's like, what's scabula? (laughs) Gabby and I are two peas of the same. That's that thing I got in Vegas one time. We don't talk about that anymore. Babe, you're not supposed to know about my scabula. (laughs) Don't pick your scabula. Thankfully, thankfully, that's the one thing that stayed in Vegas. Yes, it cleared (laughs) up. It cleared up. So, uh, Matt, we have a question that we ask guests when they come (laughs) on the show. And as we finally get to this, this is question, it multiple choice? It is not. It's a oh. short answer. Short answer. <laughs> I hate grading those things too. So please, uh, here's what we want to know. What, um, 
what Travis? Why can't I? <laughs> I can't remember, it's been so long. Matt, what, Matt, got you, what, what got you into comic books? No. Right? No. We used the term of the podcast in it. Oh, yeah. Matt, what was what? your first exposure to comics? Yeah. Who first exposed you, exposed themselves? I mean, exposed comics to you? Uh, what was your first exposure to comics? Wow. That's a that's a kind of a loaded question. I don't know who first exposed themselves to me. <laughs> um, but uh, comic-wise, it would have to be my yeah. dad. Um, okay. It was, it was simple as I was just picked up a, a spider-man comic when you used to be able to buy them at the grocery store and the west the rest is history the good old days the good old days let me ask you a question about that man follow-up question short short answer um um your dad you said your dad was in the comics so your dad was like did he have did he have a big comic collection no my dad wasn't really into comics it was more so like he just caught me looking at it and as a single yeah. dad he was kind of like okay you know whatever and 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 bought it for me and well, yeah, he probably actually smacked it out of my hand and handed me an Archie and Jughead and said, "Read a real comic, you little bitch." But, <laughs> you know, he still yeah. bought it for me, nonetheless. Is so, it, do you think? Do you find? Uh, don't uh, work together. Work I'm together. Sorry, work together. Yeah, work sorry. together. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long since we've had a guest. I don't know. Do, uh, do you? Do you guys think that? Yeah. Our generation of dads, there are some, but there are very less, probably very few geeky dads. Right? There were other things, but geeky types of dads. Do I think you, geeky dads think... back in the day were like bird watchers. Like, yeah, there was some they're yeah. like hobbyist. They're a hobbyist. Yeah, yeah like fly yeah. fishing and stuff like that. Right. How do you think does that going to change the way young men are brought up in society now? That like Josh, every example, everybody's you're a geeky dad. Everybody's dad is a geek now. I just think Every, that's how it works. Is that is that what is, is that going to do something to like the male chromosome? Are we are we creating softer beta males because of this, Matt? Your response. <laughs> <laughs> softer beta males, huh? Uh, I I guess I, I would say so, but I don't know if I would call them soft. It's just I think the I don't even know how to answer this question. Wrong that's answer. Matt. Anyways, it is a terrible answer. I'm a terrible podcaster. No, no, no. Here, I don't know. Here's, Here's why I've done this for so long. <laughs> so, um, here's you. So, Spider Man. You said maybe one of the first comics. What was that series for you? Was it Spider Man? What was that thing that really hooked you into comics? What what comic series really got you going as a as a as a young Matthew? Good question. Well, it have to be Spider Man, and I think I think it's like I started with Ninja Turtles. Like I'll, most kids my age, like I, I was into Ninja Turtles. I I my grandfather used to go to. Uh, uh, blockbuster video and rent the D, uh, tapes and record them for me. Basically, pirate me copies of this. Now that's so. a grandpa right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he pirated me a copy of the original Ninja Turtles movie, and I'd watch. I watched that thing till it wore out, and and it just kind of transitioned from there. So my love for the the Ghostbusters and and Ninja Turtles and the cartoons and the toys, and it just kind of eventually transitioned over to comics, like I think it normally does. Once you get in that age where you can read and understand and, and things are, you grasp things better. You make that transition if you're into that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what hooked me. And, and Peter Parker kind of grabbed me because he's, a, he's everybody's hero. He could be anybody, anybody. He's, can got be those, he's got those sticky hands. So it's easy for yeah. him to grab you. So, I mean, he's, he's a nerd. He's, he's kind of got everyday problems and that's kind yeah. of what stuck with me all the way up till adulthood is, is Peter Parker is you can relate to him. He's so relatable. He's, he's, I think he's more relatable than any other superhero out there. I think you all because he's an everyman unless until yeah. they made him like, wasn't he the head of a corporation for a little while? Well, yeah, I mean, eventually he, he you know, became head of his own company and, and stuff like that. But I say make Peter Parker a poor New Yorker forever. 
just just so I can feel like I relate with him. With too many but rich I mean, superheroes. Yeah, he had all your typical problems, like girl yeah. problems, problems with school. That's and, right. And you know, it it you know, it's he like you said, every every man. But, I, want um, him, I want him to be like a Perez Hilton type, like a run where he has to encounter all the celebrities and he's like a gossip columnist and he kind of is like self-loathing about it, but he still has to do it to make money. Oh, he hates it so much. That'd be good. I think yeah. you just and, pitch, and he, he has just like a great he, he has, works for BuzzFeed and he yeah, fucking hates it. Yeah. And he yeah. has like a sassy like blogger like a Perez Hilton that he has to like deal with on a daily basis. I think I think J. Jonah Jameson is now. Isn't that the I think that's the storyline right now is that uh, J. Jonah is like working for a shitty BuzzFeed. If I oh, remember. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. they, they kind of turned the Daily Bugle into like uh, it's like a podcast. It's more so of like um, Infowars. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. He, he became the, Alex the, Jones. The freaking frogs are gay. I've heard. That's what yeah. I heard from Alex Jones, if I remember correctly. But, so, yeah, well, freaking to answer your gay. original question and to yeah. go back and answer your original question, I don't think it's it's causing them to raise soft men moving forward it you don't it's raising you're raising nerds that don't won't know what it's like with us they don't have to hide what they are yeah that's kind of nice and they can they can freely admit hey i like dungeons and dragons or i read comic books or i like this or i like that it they they're raising them with the confidence to be who you are and like what you like and not have to hide it like we did yeah, because I wore this shirt in public today, guys. I wore this shirt in public today. So I Are you sure you want to admit that? I, you know what? I will. I will admit it. <laughs> My love for both Sky and Star Wars. There you go. Very niche right here. Shirt idea. Yeah. Shirt idea based on what Matt uh-huh. just said. Scarlet letter, Scarlet S, right? Well, if there's like a Scarlet N, we kind of do it a little bit raggedy. And it's like, what's that? It's my Scarlet N. Why? Because I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm workshopping go. it. I'm workshopping it. I keep work, keep workshopping. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, <laughs> All right, so we get I, into this today, Josh. Let's dive into this. Let's dive into this book. Travis, uh, can you tell us, since you've got some prolific notes you said on this bad book? I see what you're can about you do to us do. A favor? We are we are reading volume one of Outcast. Can you, mm-hmm. Travis, give us the brief synopsis? I knew of, where uh, this was going. I knew where this, this was going. By the I'm way, I'm gonna give you one of my sixth graders vocab words this week. Thank you for using it. Oh. No more so cussing. Cause they will on Monday, we're going to listen to this entire podcast and kill an hour. No cussing. Okay. <laughs> All right, here you go. Synopsis. Oh man. And you're I'm, really, I'm gonna give you, you're just, really putting restraints <laughs> on me now. 30 seconds. Go Travis. What is it about? All right. Uh, 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 Robert Kirkman's outcast follows our main protagonist, Kyle Barnes, as he goes on kind of this, the beginning, this first volume is kind of the beginning, beginning of what looks like to become this big, epic horror story right this first volume at least really follows the idea of possession our main character kyle his life has been plagued with people who have been close to them him getting possessed people like his mother people like his wife so in addition to having to deal with these possessions these possessions have really started to affect his personal life and so when we meet kyle he is very much secluded he's a he's a recluse he's kind of shunned society uh and we get him into the story by this reverend coming in and and asking him for help with this possession and 
Uh, once Kyle helps this reverend with this possession, Kyle starts to get a little bit of momentum in his life, and he starts really trying to delve into this mystery of why he's been constantly haunted by uh, these possessions. Um, and in addition to that, we have a bunch of storylines surrounding his personal life, his his relationship Satan with his daughter, yeah, um, yeah, his relationship with his sister, his brother-in-law. Uh, and so it's really about Kyle and this reverend trying to save this small town from possessions, but also Kyle trying to save himself from himself. That was a minute and a half. I let you go a little long. That's okay. I, I, you, That's okay. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been, been a while. It's been a while. Oh. All right, so we are, uh, we are, let's, let's talk about this, gentlemen. So uh, here's how I want to start. Matt, you said that this is one of the books that you really like. What about this story uh, and, and this character pulled you into this series? Well, I picked this series up because, of, of course, Robert Kirkman, being a huge Walking Dead fan, and Robert Kirkman being one of my favorite comic writers. I mean, I like his stuff he's done on Battle Pope and and uh, um, Invincible and a lot of the other stuff he's done. It was just, it was a cool, it was a cool next step after Walking Dead. It was different possession. You don't see a lot of possession comic books. Um, and it was, it was just kind of like, what? Let, let's see what Robert's can be capable of now. We've seen what he can do with zombies. Let's let's see what he what he's got now. And you know, the first couple issues, I, I, I fell in love with this book from issue one and, um, that's, that's pretty much it. It's been, it's been all she wrote ever since. All right. All right. Travis, what did you think about when you picked this up? Cause you and I had talked about doing this book maybe a while ago, but we never did it. Um, was this the first time that you read it or did you, had you read it before this? Uh, I think I had read maybe the first issue because the first first issue, excuse me, felt very familiar. Um, I think you tried to pitch me this idea uh, and I wasn't I think what I did is maybe we, you pitched it to me right after the show uh, came out, right before it came out. So I think yeah. instead of looking at the book, I think what I did was I watched the trailer to the show and I was like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. And so I think I maybe dismissed the book based on one trailer to the show. Uh, so coming into it, I know that it, it had received some acclaim. Yeah, I know Kirkman is a good writer. Uh, and so sitting down with it, uh, there were things that I found that were very Kirkman about it. Um, the pace probably number one hit me for this this first volume. I found it to be a quick read. I found when I was done, I found I had a lot of questions. But then when I really stuck, stepped back and look at the whole piece, and yeah. I'm like, wow, there was at first my first instinct was not a lot happens in here. But then when I look back at the book, there's a ton of stuff happening in this book. There's a bunch it, of little stuff kind of in the background. Yeah. When, when I start listing out all the conflicts in the book, I'm like, holy smokes, Kirkman was able to set up at least like uh, a dozen conflicts in this book. Uh, now, I, this is an ongoing series, Matt. I believe it's still going on. I think we're on issue 44, just came out in uh, January. Uh, so it's like yeah, seven, it's... Vo seven volumes complete. So I, I, Kirkman, in an interview for this book, he said it's one of the only series he started off where he had an ending in mind. Now, I don't know if he's just blowing smoke up people's asses, uh, but, you know, unlike The Walking Dead when he started, he didn't know how he was going to end it. This one, he's, he said he had an ending in mind, but it still has an epic feel to it. So what about the pace, See, guys? What are your thoughts? Or so go ahead, Matt. I, well, I was going to say, I, I thought he had a, he's always said he's had an ending for The Walking Dead, but uh -huh. he, he just ex 
extended it out getting there because originally it was supposed to to end when Negan came. It was supposed to end before Negan, and then they stretched it out to Negan, and then stretched it out further after Negan's popularity caught on. So he he knew how he wanted to end the end the book, but this again to your point though, Outcast is coming to an end. He's he's getting ready to end this book here, um, and a couple more issues. Um, but going back to volume one, I felt like you said the pacing was very Kirkman, and and I love that Kirkman leaves you with those little uh, Easter eggs or I'll call them an Easter egg to, to kind of hook you and to leave you questions. And I, I love how he, he always normally leaves his books on cliffhangers and you're, it makes you excited for, for the next issue. Yeah. I, that, I, that's definitely how he did walking dead. Like literally yeah. every last page of walking dead, you're like, you son of a bitch. Like you're like, well, the next one doesn't come out for another month. You asshole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, and, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. But no, but I think you're right. You see that same thing in this book where it hits the end of an issue and you're like, well, what the heck? What's what's that mean? You know, it's less it's less about someone's about to die and more about like, what does that mean? And this series, I feel. Yeah, it's well, almost one like that- he's taking like that cliffhanger that we often see mm-hmm. like in high adventure and fantasy and bring that cliffhanger style of storytelling to a slow burn mystery. Uh, usually you see those cliffhangers, like someone is hanging off a cliff or the equivalent of that, but he's able to do that really well emotionally. So the cliffhangers are usually, uh, built around an internal conflict as opposed to an external thing happening. And I think it, 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 it takes more work as a writer to do that. It's one, it's one thing to like turn the page, a monster shows up, end of issue. It's another to have just that little bit of information or uh reveal that makes you want to read well the, and that's what i like about kirkman is he he doesn't he respects his readers i think and he doesn't he he expects them to be knowledgeable he expects us all to be knowledgeable people and even on an issue that's very um dialogue heavy or very you know it, it, there's not a lot going on it, it's a lot of of interaction with other characters there's small little anecdotes that that are put in there that once you get to the end of the issue you're like, man, that, that was very dialogue heavy. But then when you sit there and think about it, you're like, oh, man, and you start connecting the dots and it just makes everything that much better even at the end of the issue when you're like, okay, that, that wasn't as boring as I thought it was. Like, it, There's so much, so many underlying things there that you didn't catch that you start making the connections that you're like, oh, man, and it, it just gets you excited for the next issue. Here's an yeah, example he, he does a really of good that. job of that. Here's an example of that pacing. I counted it up. So when we first meet our uh, uh, protagonist, Kyle, he's there's a knock on the door and he's getting out of bed five pages for him to open the door it takes five pages for kirkman to get him to the door now it's like there's like three pages of him like walking to the door you see his house you see the disorder there's characterization he's working in there as a writer and uh, more the artist in that too um but and then there's a little bit of a flashback within those panels that shows that house when his mother was uh you get like little seeds of something was going on with his own childhood, but five pages. Now that is yeah. in the first issue of a series. That's a ballsy move. That's a, uh, that's a quarter of your book. Yeah. Like 20 pages, right? Like that's, that's like, you know, that he, is a, that's a full quarter of your first issue yeah. is a guy walking to his door. And he earns that. You, you can do that at, for the, especially the first issue of this book, because he, he was already Kirkman at that point. He already had walking dead. So he had some trust of the audience that, okay, I'm with you. Pay this off. Um, I wonder if, if Outcast came out first, if people would have given it the attention that it needs to build 
the momentum that the the series seems to be taking on by the end of this first volume. I don't think so. I can yeah, honestly I, say with the full confidence, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. But here, here's what I think. I, I think a series like this. I've I read beyond when it first came out. I read it probably through. I want to say I have up to issue twenty two or something like that. So I've read all that, but it's been a long time, right? Like I fell off. One of the reasons I fell off, not because it was a bad book, but because I was like, okay, I read it. What's next, right? And then that month in between, every time I was like, all right, I'm going to switch to trades. But then it just got lost in sort of like the life of trades for a while. That was, I mean, when this first hit, this was like, this is that image renaissance that was going on, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this came out again. You've got Saga, you've got Southern Bastards, you've got all these books are out at that same time. Um, and this one is super, it's, it's like you said, Travis, it's a slow burn. It's not, it's not a giant action packed book. Um, the pacing is, gets you to read through it quickly. And so it was really hard for me to read it month to month, not because it wasn't good, but because I was like, oh man, I just whipped through that, that issue. What's the next thing that's going to happen? Um, but I, I would say, I would say in this first volume, he sets up so many little pieces, right? Like so many character pieces where, you know, the, the uh, minister that he's working with. And, I have and a, couple, what, a couple listed down here. Yeah. You read through them. All right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we have the Reverend, right? Uh, yeah. But we have the Reverend. There is the Reverend and his estranged son. That's only peppered in there a little bit. The Reverend is, is trying to get a hold of his estranged son, but now he's working with, uh, Kyle, who seems to be around maybe what his son's age would be there. So you have that father-son uh, dynamics. You have Megan, yeah. his sister. And then they even drop in like some of her Who's trauma. not really his real sister, yeah, right? Like- the orf- yeah, and then you drop in her trauma from the orphanage when she was like molested by one of the, the people, uh, one of the, the characters in there. You have um, uh, his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law is a cop and Kyle has been accused of beating his wife and child and this the the uh his brother-in-law donnie i think no it's not donnie donnie is the uh the guy who molested him he has call to deal donnie. with that a uh, call me donnie call me joey um <laughs> you have uh uh, uh kyle and only his if mom. you're nasty though <laughs> yeah Ky- kyle and, nasty. His, and his mom which you think his mom was just possessed but there's hints that the mom actually well there was some self there was some sacrifice there in order to, to protect her son uh so like you were saying josh those are just some of the small conflicts he's dropping in there yeah. so go ahead and continue and and then constantine shows up for some point in this yeah like- <laughs> that was weird and like he had swamp thing with him and i was like oh this isn't even in the same universe but it was like the one bit seriously, the one cop from out of town, like the one cop who shows up, like his best friend, like killed Luke, his wife. The cop. Luke. Yeah. He looks yeah. like Con- he he does. Get that page turn. I'm like, John Constantine. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't see that too. All of the, all of the, 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 I think, and I know we're not, we're not to art yet, but this is the most, this is probably one of the moodiest books I've read in a long time where it sets a serious tone from issue to issue, from scene to scene. Most of these possessions and most of these things take place in darkness. And so it really does set this serious sort of like ominous tone as you make your way through the book. 
Well, I think one of the things that makes this book so great is its character development. Like you were saying, its character development in this book is is fantastic. Between them building to f- you finding out what exactly is going on with Kyle, to all the people that are possessed, to to the the preacher himself dealing with and coming to the face with, ask that question of is is God real? And it, it questions religion because he's he's here and he's trying to save all these possessed people. And what he believed in and what he practices in the Lord doesn't work, but somehow Kyle is able to to unpossess these people with almost killing by almost killing them too. But I, I just think that it, it's he does such a good job of you know r- with his writing of going through the Reverend facing his his and questioning his faith and what he's done all these years and what he's built a, a life around and right. having to face with and question whether or not that you know that's real or not what he believes is real or not right the and there's this the reverend good i i was gonna say like the reverend is one i think is my, is my favorite character in it because he's so there's so many layers to him there's one scene i don't know what issue it is on the digital reader it's all his uh, poker scenes are really yeah, good it's like 74 on the digital of volume one and he's like saying he goes like people think god sweats the details and then like it's like People think he's got time to watch each and everything we do. Like he really cares what, what we say and whether or not we're following his rules. It's such bullshit. He's not marking down every impure thought or bad word. He doesn't care if you look at your neighbor's wife. Like he goes through this whole thing. And it's like this really weird examination of, of what this minister. And then you see him talk in the church and it's a different message, right? And so you see him struggling or dealing with like, what's his outward belief? And then what does he save for these poker games? And about how he's like, no, man, it's about the battle. God's yeah. too busy fighting Satan in order to care about. He's like, masturbate all you want or something like that. What does he say? He's like, yeah, yeah masturbate yeah, all you want. Yeah. Like, it's just really, it's, it's, I think he's probably my favorite character uh, in this first volume. You get jo- so Joshua, much out you of would, him. You would like Jesse Custer from Preacher. And check the box for Travis Messaging Preacher on the podcast. Woo! Didn't know if I was going to be able to fit it in this week. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I think he's he's one of my favorite characters as well. And when I first saw the dynamic of Kyle and the Reverend, I was like, oh, this is very familiar territory. The old Reverend possession story. Yeah. But he's able to bring something fresh to it. Uh, And I think that 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 steers clear of the the. the the cliche of a lot of these possession exorcism, whether it be movies or other comic books or whatever media it takes, there's something to this. And I think it's, it really comes to me. I think what's more interesting to me is uh, Kyle trying to get his relationships back on track. This is a, 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 this is a guy who everything crumbled around him and he's, he's now he's decided to put the work into healing these relationships uh and that's a lot of work when everything doesn't nothing is working and they have that moment after he helps with that first possession where he cleans his house that's something that we all do like when we're trying to make that 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 change in our life the first thing we do is you clean house literally it's one of the the best most therapeutic ways to get to that next stage uh and then he he starts putting the work in and he starts that character starts changing yeah, it, it is. It's well, really it's this really interesting way to kind of tell the story. Go ahead, Matt. 
Well, I was going to say, yeah, it is an interesting way to tell the story. And you, when it comes to Kyle, you're, you're kind of seeing, you're starting this book off with at his lowest point. And what I like is, is how the reader is on the same page as the main character because it's at his lowest point. And he's kind of confused as to why, you know, what's going on and why you're, he's in this spot and so are you. And as the layers of the onion are peeled back and more is revealed about, you know, the situation surrounding his wife and daughter and why he's estranged from them and why the town looks at him like a, a, a monster and he's he's an out, a little outcast you one you know you're you're kind of going on this adventure together like you're you're learning just about about as much about Kyle as he is and i kind of i kind of really enjoy that about this book too right there is this sense that as a reader we are the only people besides Kyle that knows he did not do what he was accused of and mm-hmm. it's kind of like knowing spider-man's spider-man's peter parker it's that secret identity oh you're not a scumbag and you're waiting like you want you want him to prove it so bad but of course it's the withholding of that that makes you want to keep reading you're like oh like i'm i don't know how the the volumes play out but i'm sure it's people slow uh, one by one people start maybe recognizing the truth and uh, there's this catharsis as because the people he needs to recognize it are well I don't, I don't know they don't say if his wife knows that she was possessed it seems like people who are possessed qu- quickly forget or don't rec- realize that they were possessed and that's one of the problems they she can't it's, it's dealt with later on in the series i okay she, okay that makes they sense. talk she she comes to understand it more later on in the series okay yeah i figured that relationship because you don't you don't get any conversations other than like a couple of quick phone calls uh between him and his wife in this mm-hmm. right right let's um, talk about that mood yeah. i want to talk about that tone mood and yeah, in order man. to do that we're gonna have to talk about that coloring one of the best colored books i have read maybe ever uh, Elizabeth Breitweiser is so good. She's so yeah. good. She did all, she does all of those, uh, the, um, Sean Phillips books, right? Like she, she does like criminal and she was doing a bunch of those. She did, um, what's the one we killed? did for the, yeah, she did killer be killed. Like I put that down. I said, you know who Paul as a, a setup reminds me of Sean Phillips. And I wonder yeah. if it's more the coloring that I was, uh, syncing up with than the actual inks or maybe she just colors those that that type of pencils and inks really well she's she's so good like uh, if i just so i've just got it on my digital reader so i'm looking at all of the pages right where you can scroll all of them and it and the palette is so good it's so good it goes from these very dark blues to these oranges to like this sort of muted green like her coloring is so fantastic on this it really does set like there's this scene, there's a set where it's uh, him and uh, his brother-in-law and they're yes. in the, the diner, yeah. right? They're in the bar mm-hmm. and the coloring and those in that scene is so good. Yeah. It's so good. I got a beat. I got a, I got a better scene. I, this is the where he's outside the house and his brother-in-law shows up in the cop car and it has the colors. It's on page digitally 46. The colors are the sirens on and off the blues and reds of the sirens hitting the house. I have never seen a a colorist pay attention to the actual colors of a police siren and wash the page in those colors. I was like, this is brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) It's very good. It's very good. Um, So 
when we when we look at this story, when you see where it's going, and and uh, you know, Matt, you are you, you've read everything up so far. Are you in in the whole way? No, I've I'm pretty much like you. I bailed out probably around in mid twenties because that, that was the thing with this book is that this book when they're putting out Walking Dead, Walking Dead came out at the beginning of the month, so I was always up on that. And then Outcast was like the end of the month, and then there's a couple months where Outcast was delayed. And it, it for me, it got buried underneath other books, and I've just never yeah. gone back to to picking it up. Um, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say one thing I want to touch on before we move on though is is I think Robert Kirkman doesn't get enough credit for for his relationships with his artists. If you look at the stuff he's done, like on Invincible with Ryan Otley, um, on uh, Walking Dead with uh, with Charlie Adlard, and then this book with Paul Azucena, he he works with artists that he trusts and he allows oh, yeah. his artists to, to tell you this story without him having to write dialogue for it. He allows his artists to, to tell the story for him a lot of times. And I think you, you're talking about the coloring and I think it complements Paul's Paul has seen his art fantastically in this book. And like, there's one, I think it's the end of issue one with the little boy. And this is like, I think what really drew me to this book is the fact that, Paul's art, he's the first artist that I've read in comics that it was able to physically creep me out by the way he drew contortion and and all that over possessed people. It, just the way he handles it just just floors me and and that's one of the selling points for me on this book is just how well the art complements the story. Yeah. Yeah. Contortion is a big trope in possession stories in general. It's it's it is the outward symbolism of the twistedness of evil and what it can do yeah. to your body. And you see that in, in films like that. And I, I, I absolutely agree with you, absolute geek, uh, that uh, the contortions were one of the things that really stood out to me. And the anatomy, because, I mean, it's it, I can't draw. I can't draw regular anatomy, let alone <laughs> to figure out, okay, if that bent back, how far can I bend that? You know, it's just fantastic. It, well, it is, it, it's really good. I, you know, I think for, so here's my question for you, Travis, before we really dive into, of course, this is when he gets up and walks away. <laughs> so I think when we look at this and, you know, I'm the same way reading this over again, reading this over again, I'm like, okay, uh, if it's coming to a close, let's, let's just, let's plow through it. And I want to read the whole thing. Right. I think that's part of it, too, is like a series like this where it's such the pacing is slow and the pacing like. But you can read it fast. Right. The pacing is slow, but it's a quick read for me. I just want to devour the whole thing. So when I Mm -hmm. I literally reread this last night, uh, funny story, I had volume one in a trade and I must have given it away someone because at some point I was just handing out trades to people. I was like, here, you take this. You're at my house here. This is good. You'll like this because I, I was like, I'm not going to I probably won't read it again. Right. You're, and then you're a man do, of the people. You're like the Cesar Chavez right. of comics. It, right. I'm the Robin Hood of my own comic collection. Uh, so like I went to go buy it last night so I could read it last night and I accidentally bought the French version first. We I like on, on comicsology, it was either French or Spanish. It was a la, it was a it was a love language. I know that much. I didn't get that far into it to, <laughs> to decipher. But I literally I, I like it was I typed in outcast and the first one that shows up, you're on notice comicsology, was the was the 
non-English version. And I was like, it's 1099. This book has been out forever. And so yeah. like I bought it, right? Not really paying attention that it was in French. And then I open it to read it. And I'm like, and this is after I literally tore my house up looking for it yesterday. And I, I, I bought it. I open it up. I'm like, oh, this ain't right. What? What? So I had to buy it again in English. So if you want, uh, I, I got a French copy. If you if you need a digital French copy. You know of, what? Uh, You're talking to uh, the right guy because Matt is big in the digital copy. Tune into the episode of the Absolute yeah. Geek Podcast and you will find out Matt's love of digital copies. <laughs> Funny now, enough, this- like... When this book came out, I thought this was going to be the next huge book. Like, I thought, like, it was going to be a slam dunk. So I have, like, six or seven copies of issue number one. I have a so. pristine copy of issue number one. It's probably one of the few books that I was like, oh, I'm going to buy issue. Because I had read it. I bought the first volume. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and buy issue one because this one's going to take off, right? Yeah. Well, this is the the era when that in Image Renaissance, especially with Kirkman, where they were studios were buying the rights before the book was even released, before the book yeah. was even created. So it's a chrono knots. I'm looking was, at you. This book was announced in 2013. The first issue didn't come out until 2014, and the the rights were bought in 2013. So yeah. I mean, the spe- that's like speculation, like jackpot right there. Everyone's buying a, a shit ton of issues of Outcast One. Yeah, yeah. Just can't go. Uh, Bombs over Baghdad. Bombs over Baghdad. Is that is that Friend. song politically correct anymore? Is the line "We hitting rag tops"? Is that the correct line? We hit I, rag tops. I thought we he was just talking about tops. cars. I'm upset that that's not what he's talking about. I and thought now, it was like you see what I'm saying. I'm no, going, I see what, no, it's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. I Andre three thousand. You're on notice. You're on notice. You know what? Who's I'm the taking, other one? I'm, What's the I'm other taking away, I'm, I'm taking away a thousand. You're now Andre two thousand. Andre two thousand, baby. Big boy. Big boy. B-O-I. Boy, if you will. So, here's what <laughs> I want to know, Travis. You guys, Do you want to read more of this? Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, uh, a little throw a little back at you. Did yeah, you guys watch yeah. the series? Because I have not watched the series. I watched the first episode. Super creepy. I didn't watch after that. I don't have Showtime, so I watched the. I bought the first episode. I'm like uh itunes and i was like okay i'm in it but then i to pay for a whole series it was tough there's too much television man i watched the first season love the first season uh i kind of fell off because they kind of started fast forwarding stuff and and jumping ahead towards the end of the first season and the comic season two that would it was like such a delay like they got it overseas and in europe before we got it here so I haven't watched season two yet, and it was only two seasons. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's the same thing with you. I, I don't have, I didn't have Showtime. Like if it was on HBO or right. something, I'd be all over it. And that's one of the things about, like I think Walking Dead was such a hit is because it was on network c- cable television. So yeah, yeah, I shouldn't say network, but it was on cable television. So that's one of the things I think that had going for. And I know we had a discussion in our show when you guys were on about how Walking Dead, had, the Walking Dead show changed, changed the game. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think Outcast could have benefited from that if it wasn't on a, a subscription-based uh, cable network. But right, had had had. Uh, why can't I? AMC picked it up, right? Yeah. And you had your one-two Kirkman punch instead of doing Fear of the Walking Dead. You do Walking Dead and Outcast. You'd yeah. have had like just you'd have nailed it. Mm-hmm. 
Do you I think guys think that so we're we're dealing with a genre that in comics is usually limited to a short run, six, twelve issues, something like witches and stuff like that, where the horror comics are usually like almost like a mini series. Uh, I can't think of I like, like lock and key is probably the only and that's like when I think issues, of it like right yeah yeah. So do you think uh, do you like the horror genre being told in a more of an epic scope like this? Do you prefer your horror in stack size bites or do you prefer a long drawn out Kirkman style horror? And there's room for both, but what do you prefer? I think I would, I want it more short. I want it more short for one specific reason, for the reason that it, they can give it to you and then they can hit you and, and you're, you got the jaw dropping. Oh my God. I didn't see that coming moment. What, what, and when we think about this, what's the one like, referring to movie what's the movie that that really did that to you when when at the end of it you're like oh my god did this has happened for me it's saw when he stands up off the floor at the end of saw and he's been laying there the whole movie i was like are you kidding me like that was my mind-blowing moment yeah. what that's so twist. for me yeah so for me shorter is better because it doesn't give you time to try to figure out what's going on you're you've got six issues things are rolling fast you're not sitting there connecting the dots and putting the pieces together and where you're like okay, well, this is what's going to happen. And you know, six issues before it happens, what's going to happen. So I you don't get the you. time to put those to, yeah. dots together to figure out the plot and, and, you know, come to the end of the book on your own. So, and, and I like that with the six issues, short issues, it, it gives you more variety. So you could have one story about this and then they release volume two, which is a completely different story. You know, it's for me, it's, it's shorter is better. I think that is absolutely correct. I think one of the, the most horrifying por- parts of horror is the unknown. And right. when you do 60 issues of something, even Lock and Key, which I really liked, um, I think that the more you know... Um, copyright, the less scary it is. Right? Yeah, the less scary it is. So the, the more you feel safer, you feel comfortable, you feel like the stakes... You're like, okay, you you know, like, okay, this can be solved this way, this can be solved this way. There's still ways out for this character, as opposed to shorter ones that usually the shorter ones usually end with a defeat of the hero, like that 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 turn, like you were saying yeah. in Saul. Um But it is I think that's why he's even though there's horror elements in this, it also reads just as much like a mystery. And I think yeah. that it helps kind of keep you in and not be so right. exhausted with, oh, horror, 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 horror. Well, I yeah, think I, think, a, I think you're right. I think this book is a perfect example of that because Josh and I both fell off in around issue 20, between 20 and 30. That's I, because, had it gone to 24, it would have been, I think, I think like then right there, you tell that whole story, I'm in. You got me for two years, right? Well, I can, but, and I think it's because once we started figuring out wh- what Kyle was, what his ability was, and then they started incorporating that his daughter was one, two, and his dad, and they started incorporating all these different elements, you stopped caring. All the, all the suspense and mystery was gone. And now it's kind of like, all right, well, you know what he is, and now it's, it's what does he do with it? So okay. all that, that suspense that hooked you when you're like, man, I can't wait to see what next, the, the surprise is gone. Yeah, and, and yeah. You're, now you're just you're just going on to continue for sales. So, like you said, I think if it would have issued it right around 24, yes, perfect. Yeah, I think for me, like that's why I think there are some series that I I this is one run. Like, okay, it's gonna wrap up. I want to go back and and just re- just read it in one big chunk, right? Like to me, that seems appealing where I can read the whole story at one time. 
when when sometimes when I take when you take a story like this and you drag and, and I don't mean to drag it out and say that that I don't mean that to be pejorative, but when you take something and you draw it out like that, sometimes it's really hard in the in the industry of comics to stick with something for four, five years, right? Like that can be really tough, especially when a book is paced like this and you're literally, you read an issue in five minutes, you know? It's tough to ask me to stick around for four years, five minutes at a time, once a month, when you might have a delay and maybe I won't get the book for a couple months. The, you know, the, the benefit of that is when we look at the opposite of that, something that's really drawn out and it, there's delays in it. But if you look at something like Saga, Saga in one issue has so much information and so many new things that it's hard for me. I love Saga, but it's hard for me to get back in it because so much has happened. I almost have to reread everything before the next issue. I feel like I could take a year off of Outcast from volume one read volume two next year and be like, oh yeah, this, okay, I get where it's going because of the pacing of it, because it's that, it's not that the choppy bits to it. So I see what you're saying, but there's also that, I think it's easier to jump back into than some other longer running more high fantasy uh, uh, storylines. For sure. I think think Saga is a perfect example though, because they were, they were working on that book, working on that book, working on that book, and then they took a year off. And yeah. you don't know, you know, what what was that year off for? Was it because they creatively were running out of ideas and they needed time to come up with something or or what? So it's like they, they I think the benefit of comics is sometimes you need to know when to end your book. And I, I compliment Kirkman on that with Walking Dead, where he could have kept going on Walking Dead. I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. My trope was that I wish he would have waited till 200, but he didn't. He ended at 193. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, that book went on for years and years and years. And he ended it on his own terms and he ended it on a high note instead of uh, uh, when people weren't paying attention to it anymore. So that's kind of where I think Paper Girls uh, was another one that did yeah. that perfectly. That, and I think what? that that's, that's, I think that's part of the problem. The same thing for me. I think yeah. Paper Girls did the same thing for me where I was like, okay, I'm uh, this is interesting. What the hell's going on? But then I just like, okay, it's moving. It was moving slowly fast, if that makes sense. It was another one of those books where you could read an issue like that. Black Science as well. And then you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to wait. Okay, the next issue came out. But there was so much jammed into one of those issues of, even though it was a quick read, there was so much jammed into one of those issues of Paper Girls. I was like, well, crap, I got to go back and, and read the first issue again in order to remember this weird timeline right and and but i think one if we look at if we if we look at this book i think you know i want to take a second because we talked a little bit about the coloring and we've kind of talked about where we're at and and you know whether we want to revisit it or what that looks like but what did you guys think of the art in here you know what what was yeah yeah, okay so super simple matt loved it travis I like, like I said, it reminded me of Sean Phillips, but a little bit more stripped down. Not as many lines in it. Um, I thought that uh, uh, as a uh, as a Sita does a fantastic job, kind of like what Matt was saying earlier about the contortions. But I feel like the pains, like there's not a lot of action, but the punches and stuff like that. He dr- like breaking the the, the a cell nose phone breaking, or, yeah. a, a heel coming up into a chin. Uh, all that I felt the pain. The pain. It's not like a big 
punch him up story. But when those moments do happen, like the way he panels them out and takes his time yeah. to show you the contact between these body parts, uh, like I said, like a heel to the nose or or something breaking, really, I'm like, ow, that freaking hurts. Because you, you read these superhero comics and you see punches, you see kicks, you see blasts all the time, and they lose kind of their impact. You're just like, cool, cool cool and this one you're like oh man that sucks i really i really like the way that he does these tiny inset panels to show you like just a brief snippet of what's going on so like while someone's talking you'll have a tiny inset panel of someone's reaction to what they're saying uh or he'll he'll do a zoom in on what someone's doing to just give you like just a little more of what's going on right so So there's one there's all these oh. little pieces where it does that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I was say when it comes to mind is I think it's issue one where uh, you see Kyle's mom all she's possessed and he's sitting there as a little kid, but in the upper like left or right hand corner, there's a picture of him like slamming the wall with his head like on his fist. Yeah. At, at the current time. And yeah, just I, as I see it quickly became one of my favorite artists for this book because of issue one. And the way he can draw contortions and the way he makes you feel and you're immersed. And like I said, Kirkman allows him to just kind of tell his story through his art and, and, and without with minimal, minimal writing. And it just sells for me. He, he's also he does all bra- these. He, yeah, go ahead. He breaks away from the detail and panels and gives you contrast. Like one of my favorite, this is my favorite panel. Um, there, it's it's a type of book to pick favorite panels because a lot of it is like two shots, you know. But uh, here we have where he breaks away from his style and it's just that contrasting, that black on yeah. red mm-hmm. two colors. And it's, it's a symbolism shot, the holy water going on there. Was, if this was a, a novel, that would be the cover. You know, like you can make that as one of the variety of covers. And so it's really a mix of styles, that detailed uh, hatching style on faces. But then sometimes he'll just go simple uh, silhouettes uh, on backgrounds. And he'll do that um, every few pages. He'll step back from the reality of it and just give you those silhouettes. Yeah, I, I and and I think, like I said, those little it's this is does something you can really only do in the medium of comic books. And I think the only other the only other place I've seen it work is in uh, that the Spider Man into the Spider Verse, like where you like those inset panels that you see all the time allow you to look at two things at the same time that you don't get to do in any other medium, right? There's this really interesting, it's really interesting way to do it. Um, it's like a filter almost. It's like, right. okay, I'm watching it from this. If I hit this button, now it's like, you know. A, a, He's like got a, picture a, in picture, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's this really, there's the one scene where uh, it's like, he's cleaning up the house, right? And he finds that tooth. He finds his tooth underneath that chair. Happens how long right i always find a tooth somewhere (laughs) but like it's his mom stomping on his face but the little picture in picture is him now like examining the tooth like you can't do that at the same time like it doesn't happen maybe in a tarantino movie but it doesn't happen very often where you get those two those two things placed at the same time um to all the punk rockers and the mom stompers niche joke yeah that's my that's my it's a very different way of showing like (laughs) present and flashback in a comic book it it, it's very unique 
Yeah, and he uses it all the time for reaction shots, right? Like the cop just punches uh, that, you know, like his brother-in-law punches the guy who like molested his wife back when they were younger. And like you get everybody in that, like it's him telling everybody like, it's okay, something's happened. And then there's like three little panels of like people's reactions. Yeah. And they're not anything crazy. It's literally just three people like, oh, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Right? And <laughs> it just gives you like one, it's, it's just layers it layers the art in a way where you feel I don't I don't know what it is. There's just something it it's it looks it's a beautiful book. It's colored great. Uh as I see this art is fantastic the whole way through. And that's really same thing with you, Matt. Like that's what got me to go like, okay, this even if even if the pacing is slow, the book is just beautiful to look at. There's no doubt about it that it is just a gorgeous book. I mean, I love like I said. I have I have a, a commissioned Spider Man drawing from Azacita. His art. If you if you watched our show, Kyle has a, a picture of Kyle that yeah. hangs on his wall in the background that Azacita did. And his his art. I I can't wait to see him do other things. And he's a young guy too. He'll he'll be. He he's just getting started. Getting more yeah. work. This is this is his artwork is beautiful. I I can put him right up there. I could honestly see him going away from doing interiors and just doing covers like your J Scott Campbell or um, art germ. A lot of these, these artists are only do um, right. your, your I covers. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to see Like, you know, you, you know, you want people to make money on creator owned stuff, but there's a guy, you know, like with art like this, you're like, I'd want, I'd read a Batman book by this dude. Right. Absolutely. Like, it very much, it reminds me of Batman. You're one one of my favorite Batmans, but it like, it really does have that sort of this indie flair that I think would be great that you see when, when Aja did Hawkeye, right. Or you see, uh, when, um, Oh, what's the guy who did vision? Why can't I remember his name? Tom King's vision. Uh, yeah. The guy who drew it. Oh crap. That's going to bug me, but you see, well, uh, what is it? No, I'll I'll get it. Oh, okay. Keep talking. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's that's one of the things where like I'd love like I know that creator own you get to do what you want to do, but I would love to see him plug in on a Marvel title or a DC title, just so I could get like my popcorn of Marvel story, but with just great art too. Gabriel you know? Hernandez. Walta. Yeah, Gabriel. Gabriel yeah. Walta. Yeah, like that. Those artists bring something so different to a Marvel book. That I'm like, yeah, give it to me. That's great. Just that, like, I will read it not only because you can give me a more interesting story with an artist like this, but then it's just so good to look at. Well, know? if you take Venom and you give me Donny Cates writing Venom with Azacita doing the art, shut up and take my money. <laughs> or even like a even like a a Carnage book with him doing the art, take my money. I'm glad, it, Matt, that you worked in a shut up for Josh today. I feel like it's all right. <laughs> I go, shut up. I, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to sit here and tell you to shut up. Shut up. Take show. my money. You, got, you, gotta, you, you owe me several shut ups. You owe me several shut ups. Um, but, I, you know, shut up. he's. Shut, shut up. Shut, <laughs> shut, 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 shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. It's shut. It's shut. Travis. I'll take over from here. You, you shut up. Yeah. No. Oh, man. Did I tell him to shut up and now he disappeared. <gasps> So, Travis, here's what I want to know. Mm -hmm. Who do you give this book to? Uh, did you pick your favorite panel yet? No, I, are we do, you just said it didn't do a favorite panel, so I can pick my favorite oh, panel. Oh, I, I like that one, but on there. No, because I, I don't think um, uh, Matt has the book in front of him. Who do I give this book to? Um, yeah. 
Uh, I give this book to... Um, Oh, I don't want to. It's too my Christian loving, God fearing grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> there, ditto. Suck it. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, I, I. You know, give it to the uncle touchers in your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Real, real they, quick, while we're still on that topic of Azacita, I, I yeah. stepped away to grab this. Uh, hold on, let me put my camera back on. Why? Why isn't my camera working? Hold on. There we go. There we go. There is the Azacita oh. Spider Man. That's oh, what I'm right. saying, man. It's very Ditko. It's mm-hmm. very Ditko. Give it to me. Give me. I want. Give, give me, me that Ditko. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's the sort of thing where like you, you're gonna. He he harkens back to this old style of um like it. It's not that it looks like uh not that it that it looks like old comic books but it reminds there's reverence, me. There's reverence in it for like, right it reminds the, me of old the lines books. of old comic books I mean, it's doesn't like it doesn't look like kirby but it reminds me of like and it might just be uh brightweiser's coloring too but it reminds me of of good cartooning man it's good cartooning and that's what i want i don't want jim lee i don't want hush coming back full circle to the where we started this podcast. But Travis, I think if I were to give this book to someone to, to, to complete our, our, our kind of talk on that, I would, I, I gave it to someone and I don't remember who I gave it to, but I think for this, the problem with it is one isn't complete enough to go. Here you go. Volume one. It's a good hook. It's got some good hook to it. And maybe it sets people up, but it really is. I'd give it to someone who I'd give it to a horror fan. It's I think it's just om- a really it's an good omnibus show. book. Yeah, it's like one of the ones that if they bundle this up in a sweet hardcover with one of those bookmarks in it, like the things. Oh, yeah, there, that would be yeah. a sweet hundred and fifty dollar Christmas gift to the genre person in your life. Right. It's it's a it's a it's it's such a good looking book. It is beautiful. Um I I want like a giant oversized. I think there is an oversized version of volume one. I think I saw that somewhere or issue one. Um, I have that oversized issue one of witches. I want an oversized issue one of this book. I think it'd look giant and beautiful. I think you give this book to a a, a fan who's like, I really want to get in. I really want to get in comics, but I'm not a superhero guy. Here you go. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it like, not only, and I think like it has some really good indie sensibility, but it's written by Kirkman who knows what the hell he's doing. And it's drawn by a super capable artist. So it's not like you're giving somebody like, Oh, you don't like superheroes read this. And it's like, it's like not very good art. And the story's not good. It's like, it's both a very capable writer and a very capable, you know, artist and a super capable colorer, right? Like it's a good, it's a great trifecta. This book has it's like the rush of comic books, right? Yeah. Good writer, good, uh, good colorist, and a, and a and a I think a really impactful artist on this. Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, we've done a good job of talking about this book without spoiling it. In fact, we didn't even mention the the titular outcast that term and how it plays. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast, uh, it's I think we all recommend it. I think it's one that we would we would recommend. Keep in mind our serious. Uh, talk about how to read this 
at this point, it's about to end. If you haven't read it, wait a couple months. I'm sure there'll be full collections of it. Or start picking up those volumes now, because by the time you get to uh, volume eight, I think it's going to be in eight volumes, uh, the run will probably be over, uh, it sounds like. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely recommend picking this up. Uh, so I'm going to take it over to Matt now, who is uh, actually he's got a podcast today. Right. Correct, Matt? I do. Yes. Live. Yes. 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 Live. Yeah. Wow. We do a live. So we want to talk. Oh, I tell. Um, for uh, I'm sure we have a lot of crossover and listeners, but for those people who aren't familiar with the Absolute Geek Podcast, who are you guys and what do you do? Uh, we are a Phoenix-based geek podcast, like a, I think everyone in our our little circle that we've got now. Um, we talk about anything and everything, a geek culture, um, the latest movie news, superhero comic book news, um, pretty much anything that tickles your your little geeky funny bone. Um. Our show, our show is not for the uh, the light of heart. It is definitely for a more mature audience because, as Travis and uh, Josh can both attest to, we we kind of get into some weird topics and and things things start wholesome and then they get weird real fast. So it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Check them out, and they can do that. They can find that on. Uh, you can find us uh, if you want to watch us live. We're live every Friday night, seven thirty p.m. Arizona time on YouTube at uh, youtube.com forward slash absolute geek podcast. Or you can find us uh, every Monday. Our episodes go up for the podcast listeners and we are on every single podcasting platform. So if you uh, use Stitcher or Podbean or um, Apple podcast or iHeartRadio or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but yeah, we're, we're pretty much in anywhere you can get podcasts. You can find us rock and roll. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us on the show. No problem, uh, remember, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was, it was great to have you on. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website, www.comicexposure.com. I will not. <laughs> you, can, Shut up. Uh, you can find us on, on not every podcast app, I don't think, but we're on a bunch of them. We're, you can find us on those podcast apps. If you listen to us on iTunes, we'd love for you to give us a little bit of ratings. That's how people find us. Share us with your neighbor. Share us with your grandmother. Share us with your people, your touching uncle. Um, yeah. And <laughs> so I, you know you share the show out we we love we love uh we love to hear from you guys so you can follow us on twitter at comic exposure uh and uh travis it's always good brother always yeah. good conversation again happy uh, birthday man I hope yeah you thank you every, what's the next, I hope what's you get everything you want for your birthday i i'll never get everything i want <laughs> right and our our wants are, I hope are endless a touchy uncle for your birthday <laughs> Uh, so what's the next book we're doing, Travis? What's the next book? Well, for the we show? have a couple of things on our list that we're gonna do. We are gonna do that Houdini, the handcuff king uh book. Um the the mail book. Is right by me. I got Perfect. it right by me right now. Uh and I believe, uh according to your um uh drunken promises, uh we are going to get another member of the Absolute Geek podcast uh, on there. Kyle is gonna be reading Invincible. So we're gonna take a look at it Invincible. All right. I'm uh, you know what? I think I've only read issue 1 of Invincible. So I'm 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 I am someone who's like 200 issues behind. I think. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you got some work homework to do, brother. It's, it's been out for a long time, but I'm I'm looking forward to reading that one uh for the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next trade. You want one more shut up in there, Matt? Shut up. <laughs>